Hey, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, PCOS, endometriosis, health, sex, wellness, and life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. So if you've been following me at all on Instagram or Facebook this last week, I have been doing a men's health week. I know I work predominantly with women and I love the female body and hormones and female health and wellness, but I feel that men's health, there's there's a bit of a gap there and there's a lot of information lacking. So that's why I decided to do this week's men's week I think there's so much information out there and also so little information out there it's you kind of have to dig to get it whereas female health it's all over the place now maybe that's just because it's the field that I'm in so it's obviously I'm drawn more to it but over the last few weeks even with doing the the female podcasts I've had a lot of guys onto me asking certain questions about female health, but also about male health. So I said I would do the men's week and hopefully give a bit of insight into certain things for you. You may know all of this already. I'm trying to keep it kind of the basics for now. And I don't know, I'm kind of testing the waters. If, if people enjoy it, I I might go further into things and maybe do a, a, a men's day once a month, once every two months. Who knows? We'll see. But for now, I'm going to get cracking and talk about lots of different things. So I'm going to be talking about testosterone, low testosterone, the use of anabolic steroids, the estrogen in men, erectile dysfunction, fertility, and then what sorts of foods and supplements and herbs that you can use just to help overall health and wellness just to support the body overall and make sure that your your vital your male vitality is at its strongest so to start i'll kick off with testosterone and testosterone as many 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 people know is the main sex hormone found in men now there are other hormones and they're known as androgens but there's also small amounts of estrogen in men that a lot of people don't realize now testosterone is produced predominantly in the testicles and it's from messages in the pituitary and hypothalamus glands that are sent down and then as well there's small amounts of testosterone produced in the adrenal glands so you've heard me talk about um adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue before and how chronic stress will hinder hormonal health for women but it is the same for men too and testosterone levels are at their highest from the ages of 20 to 30 and then they slowly start to decline from 30 to 35 but really it's kind of from mid-30s onwards the levels just start to slowly go down That's why men are at their sexual peak when they're in their mid to late 20s and early 30s because their testosterone levels are at their highest. Then testosterone levels on a daily basis 
you your testosterone is actually higher in the morning and as the day goes on it tends to drop off now testosterone is really important for men but it's all it is important for women too but for men like it's needed for healthy muscle and bone mass proper sperm production and sexual health fat distribution strength and the production of red blood cells so what we're seeing a lot lately is low testosterone levels in men and that's when there's problems starting to happen and it can show up in many ways but it is diagnosed when say levels fall short of 300 300 nanograms per deciliter and like some of the symptoms of low testosterone you're looking at poor memory low mood depression low libido low sperm count low semen levels erectile dysfunction, poor muscle mass and bone density, fatigue, that chronic fatigue, insomnia and actually anemia is, is really common in males with low testosterone levels. And there's many different reasons for it. So there's what's known as primary hypogonadism and these are inherited traits or else they're caused by injury or illness so like blunt force trauma to the testicles are certain illnesses, certain viruses. Then there's secondary hypogonadism, and that can be from damage to the pituitary gland or the hypothalamus. And that damage can be done from drugs, like certain prescription medications, non-prescription medications, kidney failure, inflammatory diseases, and STDs. STDs, unfortunately, in a lot of men, even in the, the standard STD, screening there still can be low levels of infection of gonorrhea and chlamydia that go unnoticed so it's making sure that you are getting your std checks very regularly that's if you're with numerous partners if you're not with the same partner all that jazz but even if you are with the same partner still getting it done once a year just to be on the safe side but then there's other factors as well that or other circumstances that can lead to secondary hypogonadism and it's the likes of age, lifestyle, so do you smoke, how much alcohol do you drink, then endocrine disruptors, so plastics and sprays and hormones for, hormones that are in farmed meats and fish. Now when I talk about sprays I'm talking about herbicides and pesticides. Now I've spoken about these before but for any new men listening for today's episode, um, so herbicides and pesticides these are chemicals that are sprayed on crops and, and given to fish, certain farm animals, and they, di- they directly impact the reproductive organs of insects. And then we're ingesting these foods. So it's about being mindful of the quality of the food that you're buying, trying to buy organic and wild fish. Then there's other factors like poor nutrition and absorption. So are you actually absorbing the vitamins and minerals that you're eating? Then obesity. What weight are you? And then, like I said previously, medications. but Specific medications like opioid, pain meds and steroids. Then chronic physical or emotional stress, like I said, it affects the adrenal glands, which then will affect testosterone levels. Then as well, physical injury to the testicles. Have you had any sort of blunt force trauma? to the testicles have you ever been kicked in the balls I'm sure plenty of you have 
And then mumps is um, a viral infection that can really affect uh, men's fertility and testosterone levels. But the use of anabolic steroids has become increasingly large. And I'm seeing younger and younger guys taking steroids, going to the gym. Now I'm not going to get into... I could do a full podcast on anabolic steroids. Personally, I think they, in the long term, are quite dangerous. I'm not going to tell somebody what they can and can't do with their own body. Everybody has their own minds. I just personally would not recommend it. But coming from it from this standpoint, um, using anabolic steroids long term can have, it can have drastic effects on men's testosterone levels as well as overall health and like they inhibit the release of the luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland which then will automatically decrease the amount of testosterone and sperm produced in the testicles now look though i i get it in the immediate term it seems like there are really high levels of testosterone and you know you're getting jacked these are for the guys who are training um and it is because you're getting synthetic testosterone. But in the long term, prolonged exposure can result in shrinking of the testicles, breast tissue development, decreased sex drive and infertility. All because they're inhibiting the body's own natural testosterone production. So even if you're only taking it for six months, a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, you got to think about down the line, if you do want to have children, are you hindering your chances now for the immediate satisfaction? Like I said, I could do a full podcast on anabolic steroids, but I won't, <laughs> not right now. But just for today's podcast, with it being Men's Health Week, I do want to shed a little bit of light on the dangers of it. You're also looking at increased risk of osteoporosis down the line as well. So kidney failure, liver failure. But for today's episode, I'm just sticking with what I can do with your fertility levels for down the line. So it is something to consider if you are taking any sort of anabolic steroids right now. And moving on now to estrogen men and a lot of guys don't realize that estrogen is a natural part of the male body and it's because it's always thought of as a female hormone and just like testosterone is thought of as a male hormone but really these hormones which are needed in both sexes in the right levels so during the week i did a yin and yang symbol in chinese medicine how there's a little bit of yin in yang and there's a little bit of yang in yin. So it's the same. There's a little bit of estrogen in men and there's a little bit of testosterone in women and they're needed for both. Men need small amounts of estrogen to improve cardiovascular health and to increase HDL, so your good cholesterol, enhance insulin function, regulates energy expenditure and improves bone metabolism and prevention of osteoporosis. But the problem with estrogen in men is when it becomes excessive and or the levels become too high and can cause a whole host of health problems. And there's, again, 
many different factors for this. Uh, one of the main causes is an enzyme which you have in the body called aromatase, which converts testosterone to estrogen. Now, with age, this enzyme may cause estrogen to spike and testosterone to decrease in volume. Then there's other factors like your, I spoke previously about the endocrine disruptors, so external endocrine disruptors, crops that are sprayed with herbicides and pesticides, then consuming heavily sprayed foods, they just have a direct link with sex hormones and throwing human hormones out of balance. Then there's plastics. So like plastic bottles and containers, they contain what's known as BPAs and phthalates. Now, these are chemicals which are leached into the water and food that you're consuming then. Now, these chemicals, they can mimic hormones and interfere with the production, the actions and the elimination of natural hormones, all while increasing estrogen levels. So then there's also factors like residues of the contraceptive pill, which is in the water supply. That's having an effect on estrogen in men Then certain medications and antibiotics. And then again, chronic stress interfering with the hypothalamic and the adrenal function, which is knocking out your own testosterone production. So then signs of high estrogen in men. So what you're really looking at is excess body fat, but mainly around the stomach and hip areas and as well as enlarged breast tissue. So I'm sure you've all heard the saying moobs, man boobs. So if you see anyone or you know anyone who has enlarged breast tissue, who's a man, you're looking at high levels of estrogen there. Then also erectile dysfunction, infertility and depression is a, is a really big one too. Now, there are lots of things that you can do naturally to help and for the basis of this podcast, I'm going to do at the end everything that helps for overall men's health, but just for the estrogen part, I'm going to give a list now. So the likes of increasing your cruciferous veg, the isoflavins in these, they may prevent the body from converting testosterone to estrogen, then supporting liver function through, through the diet and also through herbs. Herbs are a great liver support. But it's the liver that excretes excess hormones from the body. So you're looking at your dark leafy greens, dark berries, asparagus, beetroot, turmeric, then the likes of dandelion, burdock root. These are really good liver herbs just to help it ticking over properly. Then adding the likes of turmeric and ginger to all your dishes. The curcumin found in turmeric and ginger have been shown to increase testosterone levels as well. And then reducing out certain foods that are really high in phytoestrogens. Now, phytoestrogens are good and they're needed for for certain conditions. But if somebody has an excess of estrogen, you're, you'd want to be looking at just reducing them down. So the likes of your soy, lentils, flax, peanuts, chickpeas, these are all high in phytoestrogens. Now, don't go eliminating them all completely because they do have health benefits. But even just reducing the your portions to small servings per week, two to three times a week. I know right now in the health and fitness industry, organic peanut butter is huge and it is a great nutrient-dense food. It's just, it is high in phytoestrogen, so opting for a different nut butter or a seed butter instead. And then weight training. Weight training will automatically increase your testosterone production, so that will help with balancing out hormones. But one of the main problems with high estrogen in men 
is very low libido, zero sex drive and erectile dysfunction. So erectile dysfunction then, like it's an increasingly common problem in men. I'm seeing it in older men, yes, because it is a natural process with testosterone levels dipping, but more so in younger men nowadays. And the use of Viagra in men in their early 20s has skyrocketed. But like there's different causes and factors for like high estrogen levels, like I said, then low testosterone, vascular problems, chronic stress, psychological factors, obesity and strained relationships, poor lifestyle, poor nutrition, high alcohol consumption. There's so many different factors. Now, occasional erectile dysfunction, that's normal. It's very common and it's very normal, Uh, especially for men who are going through long periods of stress or even just an acute period of stress, having a bad day, that can do it. But it's when it becomes more frequent, then that's a sign that there may be a possible underlying health problem. So like I said, when you're thinking of an erection, you're thinking of vascularity. So the vascular processes that produce an erection are actually controlled by the nervous system. And then certain medications and overtraining may interfere with those necessary nerve signals. So when you're thinking about stress, chronic stress, that is automatically going to increase your blood pressure, which is going to reduce blood flow, especially to the extremities, especially to the penis. And then when you're thinking of the likes of overtraining, overtraining, you're hitting your central nervous system. So if that's fried, then there's going to be issues with an erection there as well. Now, what I'm seeing a lot of is young guys who are taking anabolic steroids and then they're overtraining and they're also having erectile dysfunction issues. It's all connected. So it's a matter of finding finding a balance, really, pulling back on the training, stopping the anabolic steroids, but doing that in a safe controlled way but it it is all becoming a vicious cycle but then like there's loads of different factors so there's physical factors to consider and there's psychological psychological factors so physical factors what's your diet like are you eating loads of processed foods are you eating whole foods how much alcohol are you drinking per week what is your weight like are you overweight do you have regular exercise how much sleep are you getting sleep is so important what is your blood pressure like and is there a history of cardiovascular issues in your family is there a history of high blood pressure also have you got diabetes or is there a history of diabetes in the family these are two factors that contribute that mainly contribute to erectile dysfunction because it's it's vascular then younger men 20 to 45 it's more commonly linked to psychological factors if not from medications so your psychological factors what are your stress levels like your work home life money are you stressing about money all the time like i said chronic stress will inhibit the proper adrenal function which where some of your testosterone is being produced 
And then what's your relationship like? Are you in a relationship? Is it strained? Is it non-communicative? Are you able to talk openly? What's going on there? Are you happy in your relationship? If not, this may show through. As well, are you just out of a relationship? Are you out of a long-term relationship? I've spoken to a few guys over the last few weeks before doing this podcast and they had said, yeah, getting out of a long-term relationship, there was issues with new partners because it, it, it felt strange. And there was feelings of guilt and there were feelings of rejection. So I'll ask the same here. What... What is your self-worth like? What's your self-esteem like? Are there feelings of rejection? Are there feelings of guilt? Because these do all play a part when it comes to sexual function. If these do play a part, it's a matter of taking a step back and looking inward and seeing, right, why is it do I feel this way? What can I do? What steps can I put in place? What practices can I put in place to improve my self-worth? Now, there's loads of different ways of doing that, and I talk openly with many clients, but predominantly females on the podcast on ways to do it. There are different ways, and I'm not a man, so there there can be different ways for men and women. But even just, I advise a lot of people to journal. Take 10 minutes every day, sit down, journal, and your subconscious will come through and you will get to the root of certain feelings and certain emotions. So if you feel that your erectile dysfunction is down to psychological factors, it is a matter of looking inward or and going and talking to someone. Like the mental health for males, especially in Ireland, it's it's scary. So I do always recommend, not just men, but women too, go see a counsellor, go see a therapist talk shit out nobody is there to judge you no therapist will ever judge anybody for anything so I would recommend that I feel there's huge pressures put on men in society around having to be the provider and having to be strong and provide financially provide emotionally quote unquote to be the man and unfortunately then I think it's it's gotten to a stage where men feel like they can't actually be vulnerable and they can't speak openly about things for fear of rejection or ridicule or so many different factors but if anything I think the stronger you are the more you are able to talk about things and getting to be in a place where you're comfortable with yourself is so important not for the people around you but for yourself going forward in life is knowing who you are and liking who you are and you can't get that from anybody else you have to do the work on yourself now you can go and you can talk to somebody about that but it is an internal journey which I feel everybody has to go on not just men but women too But when it comes to men's sexual health, there is a huge connection with ego as well. 
So I do feel that being able to talk openly with either a therapist or friends around sexual health is really important. And especially when it comes to the likes of fertility. Because, like, fertility... Couples who are having problems becoming pregnant, couples who are who unfortunately have infertility issues, there is a massive, say, blow to the male ego. And I'm not saying that in a bad way because everybody has an ego and the ego is a good thing. The ego has this bad reputation of being ego, you're, someone's egotistical and blah, 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 blah. No, your ego is there to push you forward, to give you drive, to get shit done. Like the ego has its purpose. But listening to a sex therapist earlier on in the week and she spoke about how cases of infertility can be detrimental to men's ego because it's not even their ego, but men's self-worth and self-confidence. And this is a case again where I do feel that you should go and talk to someone about certain issues because it can be a huge blow if there are infertility infertility issues. But the cases of infertility have risen hugely in the last 20 years, but more so in the last five to 10 years. But statistics are now showing that 40 to 50% of infertility cases are coming from the male side, whereas only about 35% of all infertility cases are actually being are actually like investigating the male health side. Usually once there is a fertility issue, most cases are automatically just sent off for IVF without in investigation into the male partner. Whereas now we're seeing the rates of infertility on the male side are so large, it's something we should be looking at. Because people are spending thousands upon thousands upon thousands on IVF without actually investigating the male's health and it could be something simple like male infertility it's due to a number of reasons like it's either low yeah, low sperm count abnormal sperm function so sperm's not swimming right or blockages that prevent the delivery of sperm and 15% of male infertility cases is actually down to what's known as varicocele and this is basically like a varicose vein in the scrotum that prevents proper production of sperm. Now there's no real signs or symptoms of it other than finding it. Um, your doctor can do this getting an examination. The doctor may be able to see if there is one there. If not you can get an ultrasound done that really is the best way to discover if you do have a varicose vein in the scrotum. But even just go and get in your, your sperm count checked, your testosterone levels checked, even your semen checked. Because a lot, a lot of the time there could be poor quality semen, not enough semen, or an acidic semen. Which will kill off the sperm. But then, like, so symptoms that are signs and symptoms that you should be looking out for, and this is according to the Mayo Clinic. So... Again, problems with sexual function, difficulty with ejaculation or else small volumes of semen, difficulty getting an erection, difficulty keeping an erection, a reduced sex drive, so a lack of wanting sex, 
pain or swelling in the testicles, breast tissue growth, the lower than normal sperm count, so fewer than 15 million sperms, sperms, sorry, fewer than 15 million sperm per milliliter of semen or a total sperm count of less than 39 million per ejaculation is classed as low sperm count. Then other issues, so if you have con some of these with these attached, so the likes of loss of sense of smell, recurrent respiratory infections, or chronic fatigue. These are all issues to be looking at. And now when it comes to infertility, it's a matter of you need to be trying for over a year without success before the doctors would class you as a fertility case. So a lot of the times as well, when it comes to fertility issues, I've spoken about this a lot on other podcasts, but if you're putting a lot of stress and strain on yourselves to get pregnant, and what I have seen in clinic is a lot of clients, they're having sex every day, and this can actually diminish the sperm count. So I would highly recommend having sex every second day. And this would be from the day, the earlier on in this, not earlier on in the cycle, but every second day right up until 48 hours after ovulation has ended. So if you're with your partner, discuss when ovulation is and then every second day up until 48 hours after because once the egg is released within 12 to 48 hours it's gone and it can't be fertilized again so just as well taking pressure off yourselves if you've been trying for months and nothing has happened I would I personally recommend to people to stop stop trying not stop having sex but it becomes a chore and it becomes an even bigger stress. So I do recommend to clients to stop trying for two months, go out on dates, get to know each other again, have fun, lie in bed naked together and just talk. Yes, have sex too, but take the pressure off of it ending in a conception. So these are some issues that affect men and I'm going to end with just lists of foods and supplements and herbs which are really good for supporting male health, sexual function, testosterone, things like that, overall health as well. So like the likes of food, so spinach, your dark leafy greens for your, your, your liver function, but as well spinach contains folate which will increase overall blood flow which is really good for any sort of erection problems. Then coffee, again, is a vasodilator, which will improve blood flow to the penis. Apples contain ursolic acid, which promote healthy prostate. So this is something as well, men really need to be taking care of their, their prostate health and getting regular checks. Yes, prostate is more for the older man, but starting now to prevent any issues down the line. Then avocados, these are rich in zinc, vitamin E, and these all have really good effects on male libido and fertility. And magnesium helps to relieve tension and supports the nerve function. And again, with the likes of ED, stress, you really need to look at supporting the nervous system.
and zinc is a natural testosterone booster. Vitamins D3 and K2, which need to be taken together, also helps to increase testosterone. Then probiotics, really important to be taking probiotics to aid in the absorption of nutrients. If you're not getting the nutrients from your food, you're not getting the benefits of it. So if your gut health is bad, you're not getting the best from your food. So getting a good probiotic, making sure your gut health is on track. So then herbs that are really good for supporting male health and sexual health. So Avena sativa, wild oats. This is a natural aphrodisiac and it's due to its L-arginine compounds. And it also balances hormones, specifically estrogen. It'll help to reduce down high levels of estrogen. But it's a nervine tonic too, so will help to support the nervous system for with any stress. Then ashwagandha. This is a really good Ayurvedic herb, traditionally used to, to give energy, reduce stress, and it's a male libido booster. Um, it's been known to be to give the strength of a horse, and it's a really good yang tonic. Then there's Damiana, and this is a herb recorded to be an aphrodisiac as far back as the Mayans, and it's specific for anxiety and depression associated with sexual inadequacy. So... Like it's alkaloids have testosterone like actions, so it it's really gonna help boost testosterone levels, increase erections, and help you to sustain an erection. Now, this herb does have interactions and it may interfere with iron absorption. So, like I always say when it comes to herbal remedies, always, always, always seek advice from a herbal practitioner um before starting it. Or your doctor herbal medicines have a they have interactions with many drugs and adaptogenic herbs and yang tonics specifically they should be used with caution and only after consulting herbalist or a doctor there's many different herbs with many different actions and not all herbs suit everyone so especially if you if you have any underlying issues like blood pressure, cholesterol, anything like that. Don't go out willy-nilly taking herbs. Go and speak to somebody first. But yeah, there are other herbs too, like fenugreek, and that contains amino acids, lysine and arginine, as well as alkaloids. And studies are showing now that supplementing with either fenucin or fenugreek seed extract can increase testosterone and libido. Now, these studies are kind of lacking, but I have seen it work with clients. The thing is with using the fenucin or the fenugreek seed extract, it's not the entire herb. It's just the that one compound that has been taken from it. Then there's astragalus. Now, this is a really good vasodilator and helps with blood pressure. So because it's helping with blood pressure, it's helping to increase blood flow to all regions, but mainly to the penis. And it increases endurance as well. Again, this one does have cautionary notes with certain medications like immunosuppressive drugs, so be mindful. Then there's Shizandra. This is a really, really, really old native Chinese herb traditionally used for balancing all bodily systems, but it's like well revered for its aphrodisiac properties. It also relieves the likes of your frequent urination, low libido, premature ejaculation, low sperm count, and increases fertility but again has drug interactions and 
you can't take this if you are an epileptic. Then there's Siberian ginseng. And this is one of my all-time favorite herbs, but it's an adaptogenic herb, again, a yang tonic, and it's used for managing stress, increasing energy, and known as a male tonic. So all of these herbs are really good for helping to support male health and increase vitality. But like I said, always be mindful when going down the route of herbal medicines and do your research on them as well first. So go ask either a herbalist or your doctor, but also do your own research. And if you do have any underlying conditions or, on, or else you're on any sort of medication, just be mindful because these are strong herbs and they really do work. A lot of your yang tonics will increase your blood pressure, which will then have a, not that it, it will increase your blood pressure, but it may increase your blood pressure, which can have the opposite effect of what you want. With high blood pressure comes erectile dysfunction. Not automatically, but they do go hand in hand. So that's everything from this week's Male Health Week. I hope you've learned something from it. I hope you've gotten something that you hadn't known before. And if you do have any sort of questions, feel free to get in touch. And I quite enjoyed doing the Male Health Week for a change. So yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. I'm off to Germany. And I will see you all back next week. So happy Thursday and happy hormones. <laughs>